Welcome to the Mom Manual. Motherhood doesn't come with instructions, but it should. We are on a mission to highlight ordinary moms doing extraordinary things to build the ultimate mom manual. Every week, I have the distinct honor of speaking with women about the lessons they've learned and the inspiration that got them to where they are today. Join us for a conversation that will spark creativity, provide actionable tips, and celebrate the ordinary and extraordinary moments of motherhood. The Mom Manual starts now. Hello everyone, Tara Williams here with the Mom Manual. I am very excited to welcome not one, but two guests today. We have Caitlin and Chelsea. They are the founders and creators of Mama Psychologists. They're two registered psychologists from Alberta, Canada, and best friends and moms to four kids, five and under. Caitlin and Chelsea, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having us. This is going to be such a fun episode. I'm so excited to get into what a mama psychologist means. But before we jump in, can you tell us maybe about your relationship with each other and how you guys came to do this business together? Yeah, so we met working at our local hospital at the Children and Adolescent Mental Health Program. So I think that was 2014. So, oh my gosh, that's like what eight years ago now. It's (laughs) Not six years ago anymore, right? It's like, oh my gosh, eight years ago. I can't believe it's 2023. (laughs) So we met there. We became like fast friends, worked there for a couple of years. And then we both continued on with our education, getting our master's degrees and um, working in different places, both doing counseling and psychology services. And then we, I ended up who was pregnant 20, 2016, 2017. And I was going through a bit of a hard time with my relationship and really needed to lean on, on some of my friends and Chelsea was a wonderful support for me. So then fast forward um, a couple of years later, we both ended up being pregnant at the same time with my second and Chelsea's first. And yeah, just through our, our struggles with the postpartum period, we, we decided that, you know what, there needs to be a little more resources for, for moms in that postpartum period, right? Talk about postpartum mental health and, and all of that. So mama psychologist was born then. And really with the focus on the mental health aspect. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. Amazing. Chelsea, anything to add? Well, she did a pretty good job. She covered it mostly. We were, I guess I'll just add that we were pretty amazed with where we are. I mean, mama psychologist was born in like a, Hey, let's just connect with our local community and, you know, have these resources out there. And three years later, here we are. So it's, it's been a bit of a whirlwind. (laughs) Say the least. (laughs) Yes. And it's just, it's so amazing when everything falls into place, right? You are, you know, taking different courses and getting degrees and then you meet people along the way. And then it just all comes together in this beautiful thing that has become mama psychologist and four kids together, five and under before the podcast started, I was joking with the women. And I said, well, I wasn't joking. I was serious. At one point I had four kids, five and under myself. It was quite crazy. Today, this episode is perfect for all the mamas who are listening that are going through that postpartum period that have those young children and really are just looking to connect with other people and kind of hear that this is freaking hard, right? I think a lot of times on Instagram, motherhood is glamorized with beautiful, clean kitchens and, you know, children in matching outfits, all eating, you know, these perfect meals. I think of the moms that cut like the heart peanut butter and jelly into a heart with a crust off. And like, that's just not reality all the time. So 
Today, we're going to talk about a few different areas. And the first, it's going to be in the moment, emotional regulation tips. So when we are going crazy, our kids are driving us crazy. Women tell us, what do we do? Mm -hmm. Yes. Very, very common that kids can be triggering, right? That's just a fact that often they bring up a whole bunch of emotion because at times we feel that, oh, we're, we're out of control. We can't control the situation. So often we get angry, right? And that anger comes out and yelling and like kind of big voices, things like that. So number one, I guess, know that it's, it's common, right? It's common to, to feel these big emotions. It's okay to get angry. Like anger lets you know that, okay, my needs aren't being met. It's a little bit of a red flag saying like, okay, we need to stop and and check in. So number one, know that it's common. Number two, even though it's so, so simple, take a breath, go back to the breath, because often when we get angry, we forget, we forget to breathe. And that just elevates things. So just check in, always remember, like, go back to the breath. And number three, it's like, a mom mantra. This is one of our favorite strategies. So simple, but so effective. Is saying to yourself, they're not trying to give me a hard time. They're having a hard time. And this can help flip the script from you saying that they're trying to make me angry. They're trying to like push my buttons. They're doing this on purpose. When in reality, once we unpack it, it's like, okay, like, you know, two and three, like kids aren't by nature manipulative. They don't have that <laughs> ability to, to do that yet. And they're just having a hard time and they often express it by, you know what, yelling, crying, screaming in the way that they know how. So telling ourselves that they're not having, they're not trying to give us a hard time. They're having a hard time mm-hmm. and having a simple saying like that can be so, so effective in just bringing yourself from like a eight out of 10 to like a five out of 10 where it's like, okay, I'm the adult. I'm in control. I'm going to take a deep breath. And then I'm going to deal with this calmly and logically. I can think about so many times when my kids were all four under five and their bodies are moving and they're yelling and they're, and, and I never felt necessarily like they were trying to trigger me, but obviously being triggered and then just hitting my, where I'm like, okay, everybody I'm calm. And then I just like hit that point where I'm like, Shh. yeah, yeah. And, and everybody does. Yeah. You kind of like just get to your like threshold. So these kind of tips are to not push you over the limit. Absolutely. Because then when people are over the limit, it doesn't feel good. Right. And often it's not effective in long-term behavior change. Anyway, it may seem we get a lot of comments from parents. It's like, they only listen when I yell, when I lose it. And often that that's because they're like, scared right and they're just like kind of paralyzed so they stop what they're doing but it's not long-term behavior change so sure it might work for 10 seconds but it's not long-term behavior change at all so the key is being calm and setting the boundary right so it doesn't mean that you let your kids run wild but it's like okay setting the boundary calmly and then also the consequence right I mean if the boundaries aren't listened to there's there's consequences right so maybe it's like okay we have to put the toy away. We're turning the TV off, right? And it's, you know what? They can be sad and be mad and be upset, but it doesn't mean that we have to mirror that back to them. So to change the long-term behavior, when you say setting the boundaries, what does that mean exactly? 
So it's number one, acknowledging and validating the emotion, right? It's like, okay, it's okay to be mad, but right now Bluey is done. So I'm turning off the TV and that's that, right? And then there might be crying, there might be like tantrums and it's like, that's okay, right? You're allowed to be mad, but boundaries around like hitting and some of those like behaviors need to be, right? So that's really what boundaries are at the end of the day. It's, it's limits, right? And if, you know what, if there's something that goes beyond that hitting or something else, it's like, there's consequences. It's like, okay, then we need to remove ourselves from this situation. Then we don't get to play with this toy anymore. anymore. Then we don't get to watch the show, right? So it's natural and logical consequences. And in terms of those consequences, obviously you can't put a six month old in a 10 minute timeout. Like what do you find is age appropriate in terms of the consequence? And if things are being taken away, if it's timeout, what does that look like for different ages? So, I mean, it depends on like what, what they're doing, what they're playing with. But for example, like my son and daughter are in this, like they're fighting like cats and dogs stage. Mm -hmm. So if my son hits my daughter, it's like, okay, now, now we're, we're done playing right now. And we need to go sit and I go with him and sit in the bedroom. Sometimes he wants me there. Sometimes he doesn't. So it's like, okay, we need to go take some space. I know right now there's like timeouts versus time ins. And I don't necessarily like to think of it as like a time out, but it's like, okay, we need some space to regulate our bodies and we need some space to get calm because sometimes staying in the same room as a sister, it's like, that's not calming anybody down. So we need to remove ourselves, go into a smaller room and we need to calm our bodies down. And sometimes I can stay, sometimes I can't because maybe she's upset and maybe she needs some help. So it's like, it's okay that your child stays in the room and takes space. It doesn't mean that it's necessarily a punishment, but it's just a time where it's like, okay, you need to regulate, your sister needs to regulate. And we just, we all need some space away from each other. And that, I think that keyword is to regulate, right? Yeah. You know, one thing that I struggle with is it's very easy in theory to say, okay, you hit, you're going to go sit in a timeout, but it's actually really hard to follow through and be consistent on that because it's a lot easier to be like, oh, just stop that. And then, you know, you're going on with your day. I I work full time. I work probably, I don't know, 60 hours a week. I work too much. Um, So I do have full time child care and our nanny is amazing. She just got married. So she has moved on with her husband. And now we are looking for somebody new. And I thought, you know, I can, I can kind of do both in between. Oh my gosh. Like watching my four kids is a full-time job on its own. I have a whole time and I am like drowning right now. And I have noticed that I'm just becoming, it's not even lazy. It's just like, I don't have time you know, my kids get home from school and then I'm kind of helping them getting them stuck. I'm like, okay, I have another call to jump on. And then somebody's like grabs my phone and I'm like, I can't even deal with it. Just like whatever. And I have seen just in a few weeks, they're already starting to like push the boundaries and push it further where they would never come into my office. They would never take my phone. They would never do those things because it wouldn't be allowed before. But now just because I don't have time to focus on you don't it. Have the time to follow through with, with yes. consequences. It's like, give me my phone back. Yes. Yeah. And then it results to, you know, eventually I get off my call and I'm like, ah, um, what do you say? I know right now, so many moms are trying to, if they stay home, they're doing a side hustle. If they work they're you know, incorporating part of the childcare, like 
it's, I don't talk to a lot of women that say I 100% stay home, focus on my home and my children and my husband. Like that just seems those days are gone. Women are doing a little bit of both. Right. So everyone point is we're just really busy. So how, how are like some quick, um, I guess maybe a quick consequence or just like a quick learning lesson or for the mom that's like, I don't have time to do this. Like what, what would you recommend? And maybe there aren't any. Yeah. Sometimes it's just hard. And that's the stage of life that you're in where mm-hmm. it's like, no, I don't have time to go sit and regulate for, for 20 minutes and, and all of that. Right. And, and that's okay. So if you have two kids, if you have to jump on a call, it's like, okay, it, you need to stay, take some deep breaths, you know, what play introduce some play that'll give you time. Like no other. Right? Because yeah. kids love to play out their stressors and play out like what's bothering them. That's why there's like play therapy for kids yeah. that have trauma. So if you don't have the time, it's like, okay, here, you're in your room, you have your blocks, you have your superheroes. I'm going to set up your sister. Maybe she's on the iPad. Maybe she has her Barbies, whatever it is. But it's like, okay, I'm going to give this to you. I'm going to give that to you. I have to go. I'll come back and check in, right? Maybe you're making supper. It's like you, it's burning and you can't stay. You're like, I have to go. Mom needs to take care of this. And it's okay, right? It's okay because you have needs. Maybe you have to go to the bathroom. Maybe you haven't ate. It's okay to like make sure your basic needs are met. And it's like going back and checking in because yes, sometimes there's a newborn baby. Sometimes there's this going on, right? It's not always practical, but it's like, okay, sometimes it's, you got to do what you got to do. And it's checking in later, right. And talking about it after the fact too, after the tantrum is always okay as well. Some kids are a little bit, Oh, don't want to talk about it, but you can talk about it in, in metaphors. Lots of kids like metaphors, like, Oh, that storm was really big. Yeah. I love that. What, what do you think we can do to make sure that storm just stays like kind of small because it doesn't necessarily like target their behavior. That's why lots of kids can like talk in metaphors a little bit easier or like, how big was that mad? Was it like this big? Was it as big as the room? Was it as big as the whole house? And then it's like, oh, it was that big. What can we do next time to make it like a little bit smaller? Or how can we make it like this big now? Today's episode was brought to you by Dreamland Baby. I want to introduce you to a product that hundreds of thousands of parents use to help their baby sleep the Dreamland Baby Weighted Sleep Sack. Hi, I'm Tara Williams, host of the Mom Manual and founder of Dreamland Baby. When my son Luke was six months old, he was still waking up every hour and a half. I was completely exhausted, frustrated, and at my wit's end. Sound familiar? My solution to create a gently weighted sleep sack that babies can safely wear to help them feel calm, fall asleep faster, and stay asleep longer. The award-winning doctor-approved Dream Weighted Sleep Sack and Swaddle features our proprietary CoverCom technology, evenly distributed weight from your baby's shoulders to toes to help naturally reduce stress and allow your little one to feel relaxed and sleep soundly. If you're struggling to get your baby to sleep for longer stretches and go down easier, you're not alone. This product was a game changer for my son and can be for your family too. And right now we've got a special discount exclusive to mom manual listeners. Use code MOMMANUAL15 at checkout to get 15% off site-wide. Isn't it time for you to invest in rest?
Yeah. Often if you use like just different ways of speaking rather than you are really mad and then you hit your sister. Yeah. It, it's better. You'll get more, more buy-in, I guess. I love that idea of a metaphor. I just wrote that down. One thing that I do, so my son is turning five, but what we do, and I think it's so cute is the, the breath work. And my other three kids, I didn't really do this with, but when he is in those moments where he's just like spiraling out of control, I'll go, okay, Luke. And I kneel down on my knees and I get right to his face. So we're at the same level and it's a three deep breaths. And then we hold hands and we do it together. And that Mm -hmm. like brings him down. And the other thing is when he's kind of going crazy, because it's, I think as a mom with four young kids, they're all just trying to grab my attention at the same time. And that's where the chaos happens. And it's like, he's just like talking over everybody. And I will say to him, patience. And then, so he'll go patience patience, patience. Right. And he'll kind of repeat it like a mantra almost. So those are for me, just those like quick, if I'm just like, okay, I just need you to like, take it down for a minute, but I love the metaphor to talk about after let's jump in to the next takeaway. And this is checking in on your basic needs. You touched on this a little bit. And that is as, as a mom, you know, I know so often, especially on this podcast, women are always saying we are filling up everyone else's cup and we're leaving our own empty. Tell us what you guys think on that subject. Yeah, absolutely. So we talk a lot to moms about like burnout and just exhaustion, overstimulation, right? All those things that can come along with motherhood, especially since, you know, it is busy as you guys were just talking about, right? It's a busy time of life. It's a busy season. And it seems like there's so much on the go. And so often the first thing that comes out as that, like, caregiver role is taking care of yourself right and that's where the dysregulation comes in that's where the anger comes in that's where you know all of those kind of more negative emotions or experiences come in and then you just feel so exhausted you don't even know what to do anymore right because you're like the idea of even like taking care of myself feels so overwhelming because I'm just so not there and so when we talk to to moms about this typically what we're talking about is a few things one what are the basic needs that feel important to you? Cause this is different to everybody. This falls under like the cliche word of self-care, but you know, what, what under that feels important to you, right? Cause if we can't do it all, you can't have a spa day, you know, which would be lovely. What in a day feels important to you and let's start simple and let's start small because if you're not doing any of those things now, us saying like, Hey, just like, eat and change and shower and do all these things doesn't seem realistic. So how can we make this problem feel a little smaller and start making like these small tangible changes? So, Hey, you know what, can you put a reminder in your phone to make sure you have a snack throughout the day? If like eating is just like not happening for you, you know, can you, maybe you can't shower, but could you go like put some cold water on your face or could you go put on some deodorant or change your clothes or just you know, have a bit of a reset. So it's kind of trying to find some realistic things that you're going to start meeting those basic needs that you are probably not focusing on right now. Do you guys have, you know, recommendations in terms of, you know, should we be working out three days a week? You should be drinking 40 ounces of water. Like, do you have kind of like a checklist or just everybody should be doing X, Y, and Z, or is it kind of different for everyone? We're not super script prescriptive like that, right? Because I have lots of people that be like, hey, is exercise your thing? And they'll be like, no. It's like, okay, what about like sitting outside and just getting some fresh air and some sunlight? Like, is that more realistic for you? So it's really trying to take what works for you and like put it into your life. Because if somebody who doesn't like exercise say, and you're like, okay, go for a 30 minute walk or go to the gym, they're going to be like, that sounds like another chore. That doesn't sound good for me. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just really important for, you know, it's kind of, again, that cliche, like you can't 
keep giving and giving and not receiving, because if you're not taking care of your own needs, you're probably not functioning at the best level that you can. And so everything can get harder, right? So when a lot of moms talk about like mom guilt or, you know, feeling like they shouldn't be taking this time for themselves or, you know, it's just too much. And so it's really important to try to frame it in a way that, you know, I can't be that like anchor or I can't function at that emotional level that I need to, especially when you have toddlers and they're like draining your emotional bank all the time because you're trying to regulate them all the time. So it's really, really important to try to recognize that, you know, your needs matter and, you know, you'll be able to do some of those things a little bit maybe easier or have more capacity to handle those tantrums if you are taking some time for your own needs, as basic or as simple as it is. And I love the idea of just doing something even small, like taking a step away and putting water in your face. I mean, that's not something I've, I've thought of before. And this goes back to kind of the breath work. Like I make working out a priority and it's not working out to lose weight or have my body look a certain way. It's literally like my mental release. So I do a lot of gym classes like Pilates and yoga, mm-hmm. and it's just it's my hour to just decompress. I have no kids around me. I'm not thinking about anything. I'm just like connected to breathing and my workouts. And I used to be the type, I played sports in college and I used to be the type of person that I would go on these like intense runs or I would do like really intense, like lifting classes and like Mm -hmm. just high intensity. And I actually met with a functional medicine doctor and she was like, you're in high cortisol all the time. And she was like, your adrenal is like totally fatigued. So she was like, you should not be doing these like super intense workouts. You should be moving towards something that is just like balancing and calming. And for me, I feel like that has made a world of difference and drinking magnesium. I always talk about it. I get this magnesium drink called calm and I feel like it's changed my life, but I just feel so much more centered when I have those things in, you know, when I drink my drink and I I like to have my routine. So I think it's a little bit routine based, but it it just helps me handle everything so much more gracefully, I guess, or with patience. But I like, I like some of those quick tips you guys have. The final takeaway we're going to be talking about is sensory breaks and checks. What does that mean? Yeah. So when we talk about sensory breaks, it's one of our favorite strategies to talk about because it's, it just can be so helpful because we talk a lot about overstimulation in parenting and often as a mom from a mom perspective. And so how, you know, it can be loud. Your houses can be loud. There can be TVs on, there can be toys going, kids yelling, running, right? There's just a lot of stimulation all around. And so what can often happen is mom's like nervous systems are like, I don't feel safe right now because there's so much going on. Right. And that's when that like fight or flight can kind of turn on and so what we see is a lot of like anger and frustration that can come out for parents and so that could be like the lashing out or like the you know you step on a piece of lego and that's it game over you you lose it and you're like i'm gonna throw all the toys away um so yeah right you're like no more toys so what we talk about when we're talking about sensory stimulation is we really want to calm our nervous system back down so it's again going to help with that regulation it's going to help you feel a little bit more calm right sometimes it could be simple things like turning off some of the toys turning off the tv or the radio or the music or whatever is kind of playing in the background it could be having trying to get your kids to have quiet time if that's possible not always but you know that's when you go have some quiet time too another really common one you know if your kids are safe where they can be alone for a few minutes 
I say bathroom, not that I want a bunch of moms to go hide in the bathroom, but that's often the only place in the house that has a lock on the door. So yes. I'm going to use bathroom. But if you go in there and you just like turn off the lights, put a cold cloth on your face and you just like do some breath work and you're like, okay, I, I had a reset. I was in the dark. It was quiet. Um, it could be also be things like putting in headphones, right? Like I'm going to put in my headphones. I know my kids are safe. I know that they can see I'm going to turn on the ocean waves or whatever is relaxing for you and just like reset. So it's really paying attention to engaging the senses essentially, and really trying to calm your system down. I think so much of what we see our children, it's the same for us. Like I can tell when my kids are sensory overloaded, like when we go to those, you know, jump places and it's just like kids everywhere and people everywhere and there's music and like, it's very, it's just overwhelming. And then you feel out of control and you can see your kids, like their eyes are wide and they're like, oh my gosh, there's a lot going on. I'm once a week, at least I get to that point. And yeah. it's not, it's not good, but I I also almost feel like it's a release in a way. And if you, if I didn't, then I would just be constantly holding it in. So there's obviously like a better way, but mm. I mean, it's not realistic or is it? I don't know. You guys tell me, is it realistic not to ever get to that point for parents? Probably not, right? Because yeah. some sometimes things happen, right? And you're not always in control. Like I've never met a perfectly regulated parent like that's just a unicorn so it, it happens right but if you do lose your shit but like you're not going to wreck your kids you're not going to damage your kids but the biggest thing that you can do apologize just say like um mommy yelled mommy had some really big feelings and it came out as a yell I'm sorry you guys didn't deserve that right you don't have to stay in a feeling of like I'm a terrible mother and all of this stuff it's like apologize, like own it and, and move on. Right. Yeah. And you think apology, even for the younger kids, like they can understand that. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. And sometimes with younger kids, it's like giving them a hug. It's a little more like physical rather than, than the words. Right. But it's still like kids understand more than what we give them credit for. So it's like, mommy, sorry. <sighs> Mommy's going to give you a hug. Mommy just had some big feelings come out as big words. So you know what? It's giving them a hug and, and it's moving on, right? We don't have to sit in a place of guilt or feeling like a terrible mom, because I think I've never met a mom that hasn't lost it or a parent that hasn't lost it. Can you guys tell us a little bit more about your mama psychologist and how your business side works? Is that one-on-one -on -one counseling or what, what does that side look like? Yeah. So we do a variety of workshops. So we do workshops on mom burnout, mom rage, screen time is one of our popular ones. We're just releasing a course for the highly sensitive child and for the highly sensitive parent. We have workshops on postpartum anxiety, um, setting boundaries. Yeah, so a whole wide variety of topics that we hit on. Additionally, we just released a book called Not Your Mother's Postpartum Book. And it hit Amazon and it has been a bestseller. And we're so, so excited for that. So in our book, we like dive into all of the topics that aren't necessarily 
talked about in the what to expect when you're expecting. So from birth trauma to postpartum anxiety to intrusive thoughts to you know breastfeeding, formula, feeding, body image, all, all of the things that are so present when you have a child and even stay present for you years later if you haven't worked through them. So we hit on all of those topics and we, we talk about them. We give you the real nitty gritty. And then we also give like strategies and, and we go into problem solving. Like, okay, there's this issue. How can we strategize and solve this problem? So it's a lot of practical work as well and tips and strategies. And when you say workshops, is that like a a group kind of, you know, you start on February 1st and you finish on the 15th? Like, what what does that mean? So it's just a Zoom on a particular topic. Right. So like screen time where we give you the strategies and the education for about an hour. And there's a question and answer after after the workshop, right, just on a particular topic. And how often do you run those? Typically, we try to do it once once a month. The last couple of months has been crazy with the book release, but we are jumping back into it. I need to know, especially with my kids ages, what's the top takeaway tip on screen time? Oh, oh, my gosh. <laughs> So yeah, screen time and sleep are the two topics that get kid or get adults just like really riled up. I guess the biggest takeaway is that it's more about like quality, right? Quality screen time versus quantity. And don't necessarily get so hung up on like the amount of time that they're watching and set boundaries, right? Having boundaries and limits around screen time is is the biggest bang for your buck, right? So maybe it's like, okay, after supper or before supper, they get an hour of screen time. And for myself, I find that when my kids have, like, they know when they're going to get it, it stops the, can I watch a show? Can I do this? Can I watch this? When they know it's like, okay, that hour before supper, that's when you have screen time, right? And maybe an hour in the morning on the weekends. So for my family, that works for other families maybe it's more unpredictable maybe it's like okay we have an hour here yet you can have some screen time Mm -hmm. so it really the biggest thing is don't stress so much about it it's not the demon that a lot of like media has made it out to be use your discretion but research has shown like there is a risk of attention difficulties when they're watching like seven hours a day, like consistently, which is basically all day, which I'm pretty sure not a lot of parents, maybe some days, right? If you're sick, it's like, oh yeah, they got seven hours that day, but it's like seven hours a day, every day that there's like a risk of attentional difficulties. Wow. I mean, it has to be a lot. Okay, then. No one's hitting hitting seven hours over here. So we're we're passing, I guess. You're fine. You're fine. (laughs) Ladies, thank you so much for joining us today. Can you tell everybody where they can find you, where you guys hang out, all the things? Yeah, so we're most active on Instagram. So they can find us at Mama Psychologist on there. We do try to do TikTok. <laughs> I say try lightly. A different worlds. <laughs> Everyone's trying. Everyone, right? Everyone is trying. <laughs> uh, we do have a Facebook page as well. And our website is www.mamapsychologist.ca. And that's where you'll find all of our workshops and, and can email us and those kind of things. And our book is found on Amazon and bookdepository.com. Amazing. Thank you for the time today. 